Today's podcast is brought to you by the engagedinvestor.ca, helping you find and present to joint venture partners. Get your free video training right now at engagedinvestor.ca forward slash breakthrough. Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 30. Welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me again is the Sandy McKay on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> they say that's true it's that's the handle that's it. Um, yeah I'm excited to be here I'm really excited for our guest uh, Tim Collins on tonight again he is hi guys and this is a 10th episode so we're doing we're gonna veer away from the real estate talk just a little bit and our guest Tim Collins is gonna talk about anxiety and how to help combat those types of things so you can keep moving forward in life and business and Tim Sandy like you said is here right now so how are you doing tonight Tim I am very well, thank you. I'm, I love a bit of real estate as well, as you know, um, on one of my previous interviews. But uh, yeah, anxiety is the the topic du jour for, for me. Yeah, this is your second visit to our show. So anyone who didn't hear it can go back and listen to episode five. One of our first interviews was Tim, and it was a great one. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, so uh, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be awesome to talk about something a little bit different tonight. A little bit of housekeeping first, Rob. What, what do we got for our listeners? As usual, you can go over to our website and get the free gift that we have there, the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now. It's a free report that we have that Sandy wrote for all of you. And um, you can go over there and pick it up right now. Just enter your email address at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. And, you know, while you're there, check out all of our blog posts and articles and the bios on us and links to all of our services and other interesting things. And I want to encourage people, this is something that we haven't really done yet, is encourage people to go over and leave comments on the specific episode. So if you like this one or any of the previous ones, Go back and leave us a comment and let's get some dialogue going on there. And so for lack of having a forum, we just have the comment section, but we can get some dialogue going in there and people can come and share what they thought. And so, yeah, everybody, I encourage you to go over there and and, uh, you know, let loose with your comments. And uh, I mean, kind of excited to give something away here. We had a little contest over the last, what was it, a month? Yeah, over the past month and a half, I think it was or so. Today's the big day, 
and we're going to do our draw for the two free Durham REI tickets that we have for September. And I mean, we can't say enough good things about Durham REI, and we'll go on about it again, I guess, a bit here, Tim, because I think that was the first place I ever saw you speak was Durham REI. And yeah, I've done, I've been there twice. I've spoken there twice. Yeah. Quentin yeah. is the man. So I Quentin love that is the man. So what, yeah. do, what, uh, what do you think about the club? Yeah, I think, I mean, out of all the clubs in the GTA that I used to hang around at, that would probably be my, you know, joint top of uh, my favorite real estate clubs, just in terms of the experience of the people who have been there, the quality of the event put on by Quentin, like he, he runs it like a professional proper organization. You can tell, I mean, there's, you know, the place is packed every week. It's uh gets a bit hot in there sometimes <laughs> it does and we have to move to a new venue starting in september so whoever gets these tickets don't go to the old venue well you've probably never been there before but uh, uh the next meeting is september 9th at seven o'clock and it's at carruthers creek golf and country club which is uh 650 lake ridge road south in uh in ajax and so these tickets are 40 dollars each at the door so I think they're a pretty good prize to give away to somebody. So we got a couple of reviews. Whoever submitted the reviews and... I got them here, Rob. I can do a little draw, okay? Oh, oh yeah, sure. Okay, go ahead. All right. So maybe we got to insert a drum roll or something. Drum roll. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait one second. Hold on. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm ready now. You ready for the, I have uh, a real drum? Okay, let's hear the drum roll. Okay. This is this exciting? It's a kid's drum. All right, I got um, <laughs> good job. I I got uh Martin Kuev. Yeah. Okay, so Martin, just come out, or well, I'm going to contact you, and I'll meet you at the door, and you can bring a guest, and we'll have those for you. And they can go They can go to anyone. It doesn't have to be next month. Is that right? Oh, no, it doesn't. I think you can go to anyone. That's right. Okay. But I encourage you to go to the next one. I'll just read his review here quickly while I got it up. Um, Martin said, it's a great podcast for Canadians. Each episode, Rob and Sandy bring on guests that inform both the novice and experienced investor. I learn something new every show and look forward to keep on listening. Keep it up, Martin Kuev. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I appreciate him uh, leaving that. And um, he was uh, fortunate enough tonight to beat out uh, other contestants. And, yeah, pretty cool prize. Well, read, read a couple of the other ones. Did we get any more? There's a few really long ones. Um, let me find a shorter one. Uh, Captain LF, I don't have his real name, but great Canadian content. How about getting an accountant on the show to discuss tax tips and expenses applicable to real estate investing? That might be a little uh, foreshadowing. We might have one coming on soon. Yeah, that's coming up, right? Yeah, maybe it'll probably be a, a, a couple episodes away, something like that. We got one coming. Don't worry. We'll sort it out. So should we get into the show? In the interview? Okay, <laughs> sure. That's. Do we have anything else to sort out, or are we good to go? I wanted to hear some more interviews, but I guess we don't want to. Maybe, maybe we'll read some more later on in another episode. So yeah, obviously we got Tim Collins here tonight. Uh, like we said, we did a, a show with him back uh, a while ago now, episode number five. And Tim is um, an expert at student rental investing. That's where he really got or found his uh, his way in investing and. 
I guess he invested in various forms of real estate since the age of 20 and then uh, eventually decided to focus solely on student rentals. Twelve months later, Tim was able to quit his job and become a full-time real estate investor. And I know he's gone on and done some great things since that point. Uh, maybe you can just touch on it a bit, Tim, and then help us get a hold on where you're at today. Yeah, for sure. So um, real estate was and still is a big part of my life. In fact, in terms of all the jobs I had and any significant amounts of money I've made, the only thing I've really actually got any decent chunks of money from has been real estate investing just because in my professional career, every time I got a pay rise, I just spent it all. You know, you get an extra 10, 20 grand a year that after tax, you, that just, that's just groceries, really. So when it comes to real estate, you know, a couple of times houses have done very well and, 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 uh, values have gone up and they've turned into significant amounts of money that I've been able to do other things with. So in terms of where I put my money, that will continue to be the, the, the way I still have, you know, lots of joint venture partners I work with. I still do coaching on real estate investing, um, but what we're going to talk about tonight has become my main focus day to day because, you know, quite honestly, and as I get into my story, this will become clearer, but, you know, anxiety for me was, was something I went through personally and through kind of working on myself over the years and to be honest, having the, the luxury of, of real estate bringing in some money, it's allowed me to sit there and say, what do I really want to do with my life that's going to have the most impact? And for me, that turns out to be that I want to help other people that are struggling as well. Um, and I want to give them the ability to not have their lives dictated to them by anxiety, essentially. Very cool. Um, some people might think like, what does this have to do with real estate? But really, it has to do with business and well-being in general is all connected when you can take care of yourself and you don't have these anxieties and stress and this outside influence and and inside influence i guess in this case um you know really hindering your day-to-day -day activities then you can do a lot more in your personal life and in your business life so that's why we're talking to tim about this topic here tonight again so thank you and welcome back thank you um what is anxiety exactly, Tim? Like in your mind, what, what what does that mean, that word? Yeah, so anxiety has many different faces and flavors and varieties, everything from, you know, panic attacks, which would, you know, is, is commonly experienced by people when you get, a, you know, a racing heartbeat and you can feel faint and your stomach feels weird and your head feels tight and you've got all these. It's basically the, the manifestation of our fight or flight instinct. So naturally, as humans, all of us are built with the ability to run super fast if we're chased by a tiger, right? We have to to survive. Um, unless you've been eating too many Doritos, in which case you'll run a bit slower. But um, the fight or flight is built into all of us. And anxiety, in the simplest way for me to explain it, is really that it's your fight or flight uh, mechanism malfunctioning. So it starts showing up at totally irrelevant times or it starts showing up when it's, uh, when it's unnecessary. So you're sat on the sofa watching TV and all of a sudden you start feeling like you, you need to react to something or your life is in danger or something like that. So those extreme situations and, and physiologically what's going on inside your body is you're, you're getting jacked up with adrenaline you know, your your eyes are widening, you're breathing faster, your heart beats faster because all of those things are ready in you for war. But the reality is, is there's no war to to be fought. And then over time, the fear cycle is basically that the symptoms show up and 
you then react to the symptoms with more fear. So instead of somebody normally feeling anxious in an everyday situation, you know, such as you're crossing the road and you hear a car come in and you step back and you're like, oh, that was, you know, I'm glad I my peripheral vision picked that up. And you might feel a jolt of adrenaline because your body's making sure you're paying attention. Uh, for somebody with anxiety, that might then trigger them into say, oh, I'm not feeling very good. You got some adrenaline going on in your body and then you, you know, you worry about it. So you focus on it and you throw some more adrenaline on it. And then before you know it, you're kind of in a, in a bit of a cycle. And uh, that's where anxiety starts. You know, it can go, obviously, you've got phobias, so you've got things like fear of flying, um, fear of spiders, fear of, you know, agoraphobia, which is fear of leaving the house, um, and then panic attacks, social anxiety, which is you don't feel comfortable talking to other people in public, all sorts of different things. But fundamentally, they all come from the same place, and they're all, they're all uh, recovered from in the same way. Wow, so there's a lot of different, uh, lot of different forms of it then. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just before we really get into it more, I want to just recommend everyone, you've got a new podcast out, uh, the Anxiety Podcast. So if anyone's listening to this little initial intro here and thinks that's relevant to them and, um, and they want to dive deeper into it past, you know, beyond this interview that we're going to get into uh, here right now. But if they're interested, they should go definitely subscribe and uh, also hit up your website. I think it's timjpcollins.com. Is that right? Yeah. Well, even yeah, but, but even easier than that, if you just go to theanxietypodcast.com, theanxietypodcast.com, it takes you there. Um, and yeah, it's not it's not uh, anxiety affects us all, whether we, we want to admit it or not. Um, stress and anxiety are very close brothers, and um, so it's always there in the background for, for for everybody really, and it just tends to the certain things like my situation really brought it to a head, and uh, you know other people may just be able to keep it under the surface and, and every so often it will it will rear its head and uh and trip you up but it's uh the feedback i'm getting so far from the podcast because it's you know focused on real life is focused on real people's stories is that it's resonating with people who are you know aren't necessarily anxiety sufferers but they they, they get it like they they understand the the thought processes and they understand just going you know in and in terms of does it relate to real estate? Of course it relates to real estate. I mean, how many people do you know who um, would consider a thought about getting into real estate, but they're scared to take the leap of buying the first house? They're scared to have their money in a property where they have to deal with tenants. This is all fear. It all comes from the same place, which is, you know, not knowing the not knowing what's going to happen in the future. It's all the what ifs. Well, what if I lose all my money or what if the tenants don't pay the rent? And, you know, all, all comes from the same place. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fear. Fear is basically you know losing something you have or not getting something you want. That's it. Don't you think there's less fear? And the funny thing is, there's a lot less fear for people to go put their money into some kind of fund where the guy who's running the fund is taking a huge fee rate off the top, and they're investing in whatever they think is a good thing. And who who even knows where they came from? They're they're probably straight out of straight out of high school. <laughs> investing your money for you but that's nobody's nobody seems to be afraid of that kind of investing yeah i mean that is uh unfortunately that's that's uh cultural conditioning that's society and and this mm -hmm. situation with the rsps where we're taught by the banks to you know defer tax and invest it all in rsps which is good for them really and not particularly good for anybody else 
but yeah, people do that because it's it's the done thing. That's the that's the the herd mentality. Yeah, um, but are, but you are so right. There's so many people that come and go from the real estate clubs, and they haven't made a move. They come to learn, and 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 they don't do anything. They yeah, uh, yeah they're in they're in neutral. And how much do you need to learn before you take the first step? So it is fear and and the unknown that stop a lot of people from moving forward. So that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And and for me, in terms of my real estate uh, career or history or whatever you want to call it, I've been aggressive. Like I go where other people wouldn't go. I buy things, when you know, based on my feeling, uh, my intuition, and. I'll just get on with it. And, you know, the way I look at real estate is worst case scenario is I don't like it and I sell the house and get my money back. Like, you know, or worst case is the, the property prices drop drastically and I have to just keep renting out and hold it for, for years to come. But that tangible asset, I mean, that's why people should be listening to the show. That's why I still have, you know, double digit amount of properties because, you know, that is my, that's my money. That's the future. So. Cool. So uh, let's talk a bit about a bit more about the symptoms and of stress and anxiety. Like, what are the big ones? Yeah. So um, again, depending on on the person, um, a lot of the people, I, it really comes down to two things. If you boil it all down to what fuels this and what keeps it going, it comes down to two things. And two things again, which affect everybody. It's just these are more extreme manifestations of it. So the first one is is that. Uh, us anxiety sufferers are extremely hard on ourselves okay so self-esteem confidence self-worth all that stuff is is very is, is highly questioned by the individual because they feel like they're weak they feel like they're broken they feel like there's a problem i went through this myself in in, in a huge way and you just you're constantly questioning your ability to, you know, get through the day and to have good conversations and, oh, this is just holding me back, et cetera, et cetera. So that whole self-belief part is massive. And the second thing is, is that our natural response to anxiety is to fight it. Our natural response is to fight it, meaning when anxiety symptoms show up in our bodies, you know, the racing heartbeat, the awful feeling in your stomach, and if you haven't had anxiety, it's difficult to... Uh, understand but you know nerves uh, of you know doing a, a driving test or nerves of having a job interview or doing an exam at school take those things in times and by a hundred and that's how people with anxiety feel all the time um, so it's it's pretty crap um, yeah. but essentially those you know those those two things are really what drives it and and fighting it is like you're you're fighting a, an invisible you're fighting an invisible problem uh, which doesn't need to sleep, doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to drink. It's like a 21-year-old Mike Tyson, and it's just going to keep punching you in the face if you try and fight. Actually, I think he needed a drink. Maybe he needed a drink yeah. or two, yeah. Who doesn't after all that fighting anyway, or a tattoo on your face? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it may be useful for me to to give you a bit of my background uh, in terms of my story. That, that will kind of bring you uh, up to current day. So do you want me to, sure. to do that? Absolutely. So... Uh, I'll do the, the abbreviated version because I like to talk a little bit. Uh, but I started off in IT sales. I was kind of, you know, following the traditional route of get more money, get a pay rise, get a better title, and kind of follow that upward tra trajectory until, I don't know, I don't know, uh, you know, until you retire and you've got loads of money. 
but for me what happened was is that i realized that as i got more money i kept spending it all you just grow into more money um and i kept getting bigger titles and bigger positions i got more and more responsibility and i always say to people you know that seems like an attractive route but the reality for me was is that i ended up being handcuffed into a lifestyle i created so i had to pay the bills you know i needed at least 10 grand a month after tax to my, that was my expenses, right? For the house, the cars, the lifestyle, you know, and that's on the low end. So then this kind of pressure starts building inside, which is why I have to hit my sales targets and this is what my boss expects of me. And then I hit my sales target and the numbers, the sales target goes up the next month and you're like, all right, I can't, this is hard to, to catch up with. So for me, I was on that treadmill and I was traveling a lot. I was entertaining a lot. I was drinking a lot. Um, not, not kind of drinking uh, on a daily basis, but just drinking, you know, multiple times a week with clients. So that, you know, pays a bit of a toll on your body. I wasn't investing in myself physically or mentally at all, nothing, just working to get money to support what I built. Uh, and then one day I went out with some clients and I went out and, and had a lot of drinks and knew I had a presentation to do the next morning, but didn't worry about that because hadn't been a problem in the past. Got up the next morning, went to Starbucks, got a double espresso, down that, went to the appointment uh, where I had to basically stand up and do a presentation, walked into the room, walked to the front of the room. And as I s started doing my pitch, as I started doing my presentation, all of a sudden I felt this, it felt like somebody was pouring a bucket of warm water over my head. Like I just got enveloped by this warm, horrible, disturbing feeling. Um, I started to feel dizzy, like I was gonna fall over, like a vertigo type feeling. And my fight or flight button switched on. So, you know, I was, you know, effectively in the jungle being chased by the tiger, except I was in a boring technology office surrounded by people in suits. And I looked at the crowd, looked back at the uh, projector on the wall that I was looking at, and I just said, sorry, I got to go. And, and kind of walked out the room. And the funny thing is, is I was in a, a secure, a kind of high security building, so I couldn't even leave because you needed a security badge to get out of the area I was in. So I had to go over to somebody at their desk and say, can I borrow your security badge? I need to go to the to the washroom. They gave me it, went to the washroom and kind of stood in front of the mirror and was basically saying to myself, what the hell's going on? Like, I, I didn't know what anxiety was at that point. I didn't, I just knew that something was very off with me that day. Um, and credit to myself, I went back into the room I went back in front of all those people and I did the presentation, albeit sitting down because I didn't, I didn't have the legs. And I struggled through that day, even feeling that bad. I struggled through that day and constantly, you know, my heart started racing on again and off again. And, and it was, it was just the worst day of my life basically. And that night went back to my hotel room and just kind of sat there, uh, thinking about ending it all basically. I mean, I, I just didn't, I was so embarrassed, so ashamed of the judgment and all the people kind of staring at me and wondering what the hell was going on. I was just, it was all, all coming, all, all coming in on me. And, um, I really just wanted to go home at that point. I really just wanted to go and see my mum actually and get a hug, which sounds kind of, sounds kind of sad, but you know, that's what I was thinking at the time. And, and that was kind of the start of it for me. And then, you know, once this is often what happens with anxiety, once those neural pathways are created, it's easy to go back there. It's easy to recreate that environment or recreate those symptoms. So for me, a lot of the times, even still today, when I stand up and speak in front of people, it's way harder than it was 
before that event. Before that event happened, I, I never even thought about it. Now it's, you know, make sure I've got enough sleep. I'm not going to go out drinking the night before. I don't abuse my body. I make sure I'm kind of on my game, focused, rehearsed, and ready to go. Otherwise, you know, I don't want to risk uh, that happening again and the, the associated embarrassment of it. Mm-hmm. So that happened for me, and and that was really a bit of an epiphany. It made me sit there and question my life and say, do I really want to be vice president of a technology company? Do I really need all this stuff that I've acquired? And I love one of my favorite quotes is a quote from the movie Fight Club. And, uh, and he says something along the lines of what you own owns you. Uh, and for me, that was, you know, the oversized house I lived in, the, the vehicles I had, the ATV, the lawnmowers, all this stuff that I had to maintain and take care of was, you know, I was carrying it around. It was baggage for me. Uh, and so at that point, I basically started saying, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I stopped acquiring things. I left my, I quit my job. I basically negotiated an exit package and left my job. Um, that's when I ramped up my real estate stuff to give me some financial foundation and uh and kind of moved out of the technology space started going to the gym every day started meditating started drinking enough water you know all these investing things to kind of get myself to to back to a steady equilibrium still feeling anxious still being triggered by things sometimes but you know it took me a while to come out of that sensitized state i I i'd call it um that i actually felt like i was i was good again and even now, you know, some days, some things you're like, you know, everything's fine. And then you get the, the anxious feelings. And, you know, instead of the difference is now, instead of reacting to them with fear, I just kind of sit there and say, well, you know, thanks for stopping by, but you're, you're not relevant at the moment. So carry on. So, you know? so for you, when you first recognized that you were having these anxiety attacks, what, like, when you when you started to realize that you wanted to do something, like what was your first action step that you said, all right, for me, this is what I need to do that's going to help me? Yeah, good question. Um, and that's, you know, why I do what I do today, which I'll talk about in a second. But the, the issue I have in the system, sounds like I'm going to get all revolutionary on you, but the issue I have on the system is that you know, traditionally, if you go to your doctor, which is where we, we go with any mental illness, physical illness, you go to your doctor and you say, I'm feeling a bit like this, which is what I did. Dizzy, nauseous, out of sorts, um, scared. They, they say, well, my doctor said, well, you've probably got anxiety or you probably had a panic attack or it's depression or something. Here, take these tablets, take these mm-hmm. pills, right? Give me a bunch of pills. Mm-hmm. Like it was like it was nothing. Like they, she literally turned around and reached into a little basket on her desk and pulled out a few boxes and said, take these for a month and come back and tell me if you're feeling better. After that, I took those for a while and then it didn't feel right to me. Like my, my intuition was saying, don't take pills. It's not the solution. And my wife actually a few days in just took them off me and said, you're not doing that. Like we're not doing that. So I stopped taking them and then I booked myself in to see a psychologist and the psychologist is, uh, reasonably useful in terms of a a kind of safe place to talk about it. However, I didn't feel like there was any empathy. He hadn't had anxiety. He didn't really understand how I felt. Right. So those are the the two traditional steps that are available to us today is get some pills, which is basically putting a bandaid on it. As soon as you stop taking the pills, you're still going to be anxious because you haven't actually worked out how to resolve the problem. Uh, And, you know, I wasn't feeling a lot of empathy. So, you know, the podcast is 
is how I'm getting my word out there. Um, and then in addition to that, day to day, I'm doing one on one coaching with people who have anxiety and they want to speak to somebody who's been there and is recovered, you know, recovered um, and living a normal life and not held back by anxiety anymore. So that, you know, I've taken kind of my my darkest time and, and turned it into what I believe is is my greatest gift back to people is to be able to to support people who are you know stuck in a house and struggling and they they need somebody to believe in them they need somebody to to say listen I, I've been at the lowest point and it does get better you can you can climb out of this. Do you have um, some other examples of what you've heard other people go through and how it's interfering with their personal lives or business lives? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, a fairly complex beast in terms of how it shows up for people. For some people, it might show up in terms of extreme anger. Um, I have other clients who literally don't leave their house. So they order groceries online. They don't go outside. That's kind of when you get to the sharp end of anxiety is when you, you know, when you don't leave the house. So it's difficult. And I, I just think fear in general is is holding people back all over the place. Anxiety is holding people back through, you know, whether it's relationships or jobs you want to go for or ideas you've got about starting businesses, like all this stuff, you know, anxiety is, is really holding us all back. And, and that's why I say to people, you kind of have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because all of the, the, the biggest breakthroughs you'll have in your life, whether you suffer from anxiety or not, all the biggest breakthroughs you will have will come from having bloody difficult conversations with people, whether it's the girl you want to ask out on a date or whether it's the boss that you don't like in the job you want to leave and you know it's scary to do that and on the other side of that is a big void and a big unknown but only once we have those types of conversations and get very uncomfortable call it anxiety call it fear call it whatever you want but you have to get uncomfortable to break through the barriers and for some people you know buying real estate you have to get uncomfortable you that may be tough for you and you may decide in 5 years time you don't like that feeling so you sell it again right so yeah, for for a lot of people, it holds them back. I would say not just from a uh, from an extreme anxiety point of view, but just from a you know being kept in a in a nice box and not ever you know striving for anything better. Okay, so you were saying like get uncomfortable. So there's a lot of people who get overwhelmed and say like a busy, crowded place, or even people who don't like to answer the phone or whatever it is. So. Like so what you're saying is obviously they shouldn't just avoid those things because they're never going to get they're never going to get past it and it's only going to, you know, leak into other aspects of their life or whatever. So your your suggestion is that they just push through. Is that what you're saying or My suggestion is that exposure is 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 a harsh word to use and a lot of people don't like that, but what I do in my when my coaching businesses that I basically help people, you know, become more acclimatized to things they don't want to do and support them through that with, with advice and tips about how they can get comfortable. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of my clients the other day was going to a party in New York City. It was going to be on a rooftop. It was his brother's birthday party. Loads of people there. He basically contacted me and said, look, I'm scared. I don't want to go. What shall I do? You know, he needed some practical tips to in order to to get there and and feel comfortable and get through that situation. Yeah, and I guess you're not saying like 
you're not saying, all right, run into Times Square and, and just get comfortable there. There's, no. like a, there's steps into the process of, like, the reason, I guess the reason why I'm sort of, I'm, I am really on the outside of this. Like, I am, I have a personal connection because my wife does have a lot of anxiety issues. And one of the things is that she has diabetes, so she'll mistake when sometimes she'll think her blood sugar is going low and then that'll trigger an anxiety in her that, uh Oh, I'm, I'm trapped in this crowd and yeah. it just escalates from there. So, yeah. but me on the outside, all I see is like, let's say I'm having a good time or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm just not on the same level. I don't get where she's coming from when all of a sudden she turns to me and goes, I need to get out of here. So at the same time where I understand when it's explained to me at the moment, I kind of go, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, why, why is that? And, and so for someone like me, how, what can, what kinds of things can I do to be there to help, you know, and, and, and to try and understand more where people are coming from? Yeah. So, um, you know, that example of the, the guy who didn't want to go to the party, my advice, my advice to him was fairly simple. It was, you know, a lot of the time with with anxiety, we're we're waiting for things to happen. So it's you know anticipatory. We're waiting for somebody to ask us a question, and then we're kind of put on the spot or something to happen. So I said, go to the party and you know engage in conversation with people. You start the conversation. Don't wait for the conversation to come to you. Smile at people. Make eye contact. Hug people. Right. All of these types of things where we're we're really engaging. And and one of the other things I said is um, to seek out some people who aren't getting much attention at the party. Maybe it's, you know, grandma sat in the corner or somebody who's not as popular and, and go and spend some time with them. Make it not about you. Make it about you supporting other people because anxiety is really an internal thing. It's when we're kind of worried about our own feelings the whole time and we're not concerned about anybody else. So to go back to my earlier thing, if we're talking about understanding how to, to deal with, with people with anxiety, most of the time they're fighting it. So your wife's in a crowd, um, low blood sugar is certainly a common um, trigger for anxiety because it feels the same. It can kick off some of the same physiological type feelings, which you then pour a bit of adrenaline on and, and there you're off to the races. So the, the recognition really comes from, from realizing those feelings and embracing them. And it, this sounds kind of reverse psychology or counterintuitive or whatever you want to say, but instead of feeling what's going on inside you and seeing it as your body going to war, you have to really embrace it and say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to embrace these feelings and, and not try and fight them. I'm going to sit there and feel it. And I'm just going to, you know, as though you're sat by the side of a river and, uh, you know, there's boats going past, you're not going to try and swim to one of the boats. You're not going to get in the middle of it and try and swim all the way across the river. You're just going to sit there and watch it go past. So you're acknowledging it and you're embracing it, but you're not fighting it. You're not trying to push it away. And there's a very subtle difference. But once you can realize that and, and turn it around a little bit, once you start embracing it, the anxiety starts dying down because it's, it's fueled by fear. It's fueled by anger. It's fueled by a reaction. If you, if you don't react to it and you're like, okay, this is, it's uncomfortable, but I can deal with it. Then it starts to dissipate. Then it starts to go away. 
Yeah, that's really interesting, and I like that. And I'm sorry I got ahead of myself there with asking how you can, uh, what are things that we can do to to help with those when when we're sitting on the outside and not understanding. But so you would say the first step is to sit back, acknowledge what's happening, and just take it in. Yeah, like actually, when the feeling next time the feelings show up for somebody with anxiety, actually sit there and say, right, you have my 100% undivided attention. I'm gonna feel everything you got. Let's go. Um, not in a not in an aggressive confrontational way, but in a you know your body's sending you feelings. So if you try and ignore them, our brains have a wonderful knack of remembering things that we don't want to remember. Right? The old thing from school I remember is a a teacher said to me, you know, don't imagine pink elephants dancing, and immediately into your head pops an image of pink elephants dancing around a circus or something. So. You know, if you try and push the anxious feelings away, then your brain's like, oh, Tim doesn't want to think about this. I'll throw it at him later on when he's trying to go to sleep or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's taking it's taking the, the feelings to fruition. It's taking them through their natural cycle. They come through you and then they dissipate again. It always goes away. It's just sometimes we try and fight it on the way past and sometimes we don't react to it. So really sit there, embrace the feelings. It's part of you. It's there for a reason to protect you, and sometimes it just, you know, shows up at, at inopportune moments. Um, you know, and and going back to the, the crowded place, I told this story recently. I was a couple of months ago. I went to the movies and I sat in the middle of the movies in the middle row, you know, halfway up, and surrounded by people, busy movie theater, watching Jurassic Park or something. And uh, all of a sudden, that little anxious feeling came into my stomach from you know the types of feelings which i used to kind of which used to set me off back in the day so in, this time instead of reacting to it and saying oh my god what if i need to leave i just kind of sat there and and said right all right you got my attention what's up i was curious about it i was compassionate with myself and because i engaged it that way instead of you know fr- from a fearful standpoint you know within 30 seconds it was gone again and i didn't even think about it for the rest of that day so it's just a it's a subtle shift in our thinking. It's a subtle shift in approach. And yeah, I mean, I call it leaning into anxiety. So if we lean away from it, then it kind of chases us. But if we lean into it, that's when, you know, you're, you're looking it in the eyes. You're full on acceptance. And a lot of people say, well, I've, you know, I've meditating every day. I'm, you know, running every day. I've got the endorphins. I've accepted it. Like, what else do you want me to do? Well, you can, you can tell they, they're not unconditionally accepting it. They're accepting it on the basis that it's going to go away. Right. And again, the, the magic starts to happen when you f- when you fully take it on and say it's part of you. So it's not ever going to fully go away. Is that right? Or may, might it? Yeah, I think uh, if it ever fully goes away, it's probably dangerous because you need to have some anxiety to protect you in certain situations. The difference for me between, you know, healthy anxiety and non-healthy is when it starts making you change your decisions about what you want to do with your life or where you're going to go tonight or the type of question you're going to ask, that's where it starts becoming a problem for people. If people, you know, naturally feel scared before they give a presentation or a job interview, or, you know, that is your body engaging you for a reason. It's engaging you to do a good job. You should be paying attention, right? You ever see a world-class athlete before his NHL debut and he's nervous, like he's got anxiety for sure, because physiologically it's the same thing as excitement. You know, your heart rate speeds up a bit. Your breathing speeds up a bit. You're getting ready for action. You've got adrenaline in your body. So every time, nine times out of 10, that athlete will say, no, I'm not nervous. I'm just excited. 
well, that's because it's the same. It feels the same, right? But you don't want to feel super excited when you're trying to go to sleep at night. So that's why uh, anxiety is a problem for people. Uh, but so it's, for me, it's all in the the interpretation. It's all about how we react to it is, is, you know, part of it. Part of it is also what food you eat, what exercise you do, um, you know, how are your relationships? I mean, all of this stuff comes, you know, uh, with different weights, right? If you're in a relationship, which you desperately don't want to be in, then yeah, you're probably going to be more anxious than if you're, you know, you're totally at peace and, you know, happy with your situation. So what would you say are the differences between fear and anxiety? Because I know it kind of almost seems like f- f- you want to overcome fears in a lot of, especially in business world, um, to move ahead, you know, stay out of that comfort zone. But what's the difference there between fear and anxiety? Is there a difference? Not really. I think it's interpretation. Like anxiety is maybe the, you know, more medical term of uh, what people have, Um in, when you kind of go, if you get diagnosed with, you know, general anxiety disorder or something, then that's what they would say. They wouldn't say you, you're having fear attacks. Um, but again, it's, it's what's, it's what makes you feel uncomfortable. Fear, you know, an acronym, as some people say, false evidence appearing real. So, uh, anxiety it comes from the same place. It's just a different, different type of description, right? If you're about to jump out of an airplane, you know, people would, you know, say they're more likely to say they're fearful rather than they're, they're they've got anxiety over it. It's yeah. just a, a different way to describe it. But again, like the, the the resolution to these things is is very similar. If you have if you're feeling fear about something in your life, then that's something you should sit with, something you should question. Are you fearing it because it's actually putting you at risk, or are you fearing it because, you know? your parents didn't do it or what, what part of it is, is stopping you from, from moving ahead. Um, because again, the times in my life when I felt most uncomfortable, the other side has been much brighter. Um, whether it's a hard conversation with an employer or my parents or a relationship, you know, off the back of tough conversations that they're uncomfortable because you're going through change, right? Something is changing either with you or your relationship or your situation. And in those fearful times, you will be engaged in the conversation, right? So I'm going to go back to my other question now because I, 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 and maybe it's a little bit selfish, but I do want to, I want to be able to be supportive in those kind of situations. So what kind of recommendations do you have for somebody who knows somebody that's going through that kind of stuff and how can they help them? Yeah. I mean, the, the main thing I would say is just, to, you know, just to support them and just to have some patience because, it's a tough thing to to get your head around if you haven't experienced it. It's not a rational condition. It's not a rational process. A lot of people who haven't had anxiety would say to somebody who has having having anxiety, just snap out of it, right? Right. Well, you can't. Otherwise, you wouldn't have it in the first place. So don't say that. Don't say just snap out of it. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't slap him around the face. Especially <laughs> to the wife. That'll, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, you know, be... I read this beautiful thing earlier on today that somebody wrote, but um, it, it basically said, you know, treat everybody like you're their mother. Um, it was something that James Altucher wrote on his blog post, but it said, treat everybody like you're their mother. So I would say that that's, that's very nice advice for 
somebody dealing with an anxiety attack, if they're feeling very uncomfortable, then try and make them feel more comfortable. Don't be all over them trying to solve the problem. You're not going to solve the problem there and then. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to make your say something to your wife, which is going to take it away forever. But, you know, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want a glass of water? Just support them. Just take care of them and love them, right? That's what they need. They don't need advice. They don't need you tell them to snap out of it or grow up or whatever else you know, uh, people say, and, and people don't always say it to be mean. People are saying it because they just can't comprehend it. They just don't understand it. You haven't had it. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, pre anxiety myself, I would, you know, look at people who were struggling in that way and kind of be like, I don't get it. Like, just don't think like that. Think differently. Well, you can't, mm -hmm. that's the, that's the whole nature of the beast, right? So it takes work. It takes effort to, to, uh, change change the thinking around for the sufferer but anybody who's living with somebody that's suffering then just you know treat them gently and not 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 so much so that you you know just kind of totally leave them alone but yeah i would just say you know take care of them so does anxiety do you think it comes uh, naturally to people or is it something that kind of grow, builds up through their life through different experiences or or is it a mixture uh, could be either. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a term called PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder happens a lot to people in the military who've been to war and they come back and they've seen bad things and uh, been in high stress situations. They used to call it shell shock back in the day, but, um, PTSD can happen to anybody if you're involved in a car accident or somebody you love dies. And that's, uh, you know, an extreme, the extreme stress on your body and mind, um, results in anxiety so that's one way my the way it happened to me but i believe was just uh i believe that it was probably there under the surface and just my lifestyle and my disconnectedness with the work i was doing and the life i was leading built up into a culmination of that one day when i was just not taking care of myself and it just showed up and decided to trip me up big time right and then after that it's hard to kind of break the the habit it's something where you like oh that's happened before so it could happen again right so yeah, you've got kind of sudden stuff. You've got cumulative stuff. I've I know people who've had strokes and then had an anxiety as a result of a stroke. So that's probably more like a a brain changing state where you're, you know, maybe something's changed internally, but you're all way more conscious of the way people look at you. Or you know, a lot of this, a lot of anxiety comes down to how we believe we're perceived from the outside world. What do people think of us, right? Which is something that every human being cares about is what do other people think of them and so those are a few examples of, of kind of where it comes from um okay what about you mentioned earlier you know some pills and stuff you know what are other things that people are pushing that maybe aren't so good that people should look out for if they're dealing with anxiety yeah i do have a bit of an issue with some of the stuff out there because people with anxiety are probably some of the most vulnerable people you will ever meet because we are used as we're used to as humans in the day and age we live in being fixed. You know, if you've got a broken leg, you have a disease, you have all sorts of things. In most cases, apart from very extreme things, we can be fixed with medication, with iron rods or whatever it is we get taken care of. Right. But some people call anxiety and depression an invisible condition. So, yeah, you can take medication. And in, in extreme cases, medication isn't isn't the worst idea if people need to get over that initial hump. Um, but it's not a long-term solution, but, and there is no cure for it. The, the cure for it is inside you. It's, it's how you feel about yourself. It's your lifestyle. It's your relationships. It's 
how much space you give yourself. It's whether you exercise your mind and your body. All these sorts of things combined is, is really what starts to lift it and start to take it away. And then over time, you can move through it. But there is no anybody who says 100% guarantee that initially uh, that sorry immediately raises the red flag for me to say like what what are you actually trying to push and there is you know there's a good number of you see it online if you search anxiety cure or I've got anxiety or something it'll take you to a page where you'll watch a pre-recorded video for 20 minutes and at the end of it they'll guarantee that if you sign up for their email list they'll you know they'll send you another seven videos to get you through it and teach you how to do it. And that, there is probably some good stuff in there. There's probably some breathing techniques. There's probably some mindfulness. There's probably some meditation stuff, but it's not, you know, it's not gonna, it's not the panacea. It's not going to remove every concern you've ever had, which is why, you know, at the moment in what I'm doing, I believe one-on-one -on -one is speaking directly to people is extremely valuable because again, that, that it's that empathy level. People want to know that, somebody's been where they've been and, and improved and has some strategies that's going to help them to, to move through it. Yeah. And another good way to maybe get started and feed your mind the right kind of things is to listen to your new podcast that Sandy mentioned earlier, the anxiety podcast. I have listened to every episode and I really did find it uh, pretty helpful. And I love that interview that you had on there. It's a really good start and I'm loving it. So I can't wait to hear the next one. Do you want to share with us how others can listen to it again and uh, what we can expect from the show going forward from here. Yeah. So um, the format of the show is two episodes a week. If you go to the anxiety podcast.com, you'll I'll take you directly to the page where you can listen to it. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. You can get it in any of those places. And yeah, essentially the, the two shows a week are an interview every week. So I'm speaking to sleep experts, psychiatrists and psychologists and former anxiety sufferers that are now, doing great things with their lives, all those sorts of things. And I'm also doing an episode a week, which is shorter, like 10 minutes, where I basically just talk about a tip or a strategy or just what's going on in my life with regard to sharing with people for the benefit of, of them kind of overcoming their anxiety. And yeah, it's been amazingly well received so far. I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's coming from my heart. I feel like uh, it's, you know, it's just coming through me. I'm just, it's easy to do. I will continue to look for really interesting people to interview and the people who are being interviewed on the show are, are bearing their souls. Like they're talking about extremely vulnerable times in their lives um, and what they've done to, to lean into that fear and anxiety and overcome it and, and move, move past it basically. Well, I did love the show and I am going to continue to listen to it. So thank you for putting it out there. I want to say that. Thank you. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it takes a lot of, um, balls really to put out a show of that nature because it is it's a vulnerable topic definitely and uh kind of borderlines along with depression right it's kind of similar yeah it's the same thing i mean it's uh it's it's shameful uh in terms of the way that it makes you feel you know you feel judged you feel shamed you feel like you shouldn't think like this and you know that's that's what's going on and, and the funny thing is in my life um as it is now with the work i do with the podcast i go around telling people all the time that you know about anxiety and what's going on the amount of people who step forward and say me too like i have anxiety or my sister does or my wife does as you said rob mm. um it's everywhere and it's only uh, at the moment it's only getting worse because you used to be able to go out and for the evening and make a fool of yourself and nobody would know about it and now it's all over instagram and facebook and <laughs> and the generation that's growing up with that 
thank God that they didn't have video cameras and phone cameras when I was 19. But that those vulnerable, you know, young people who are going through high school and going to university now, you know, everything you do is is available to the world. Everything you do is you can't make a mistake and not have it exposed and not have it go viral or multiple, you know, hundreds of people see it. And that comes at a very high cost for them because your mistakes aren't easily forgotten. And again, in going back to the fact that we're very conscious of how everybody feels about us all the time, um, if you're feeling scrutinized, then it's going to put a lot of weight on you. So I'm, I'm concerned about it. And part of my mantra for sure with the anxiety podcast is removing some of the stigma and, and saying like, it's all right to, you know, it's not your fault that you feel like that. You shouldn't feel shameful. You shouldn't feel judged. I don't judge anybody who struggles because it's, it can come from all sorts of places and most of them are totally outside of our control. So can you recommend a, a book, um, any other resource that might be useful and provide guidance to people who are dealing with these type of issues? Absolutely. Uh, I can. And this book is, I believe the, the, the number one anxiety resource is written by a lady who's no longer with us. It's been, it's probably written 50 years ago, but the, the advice remains the same. Uh, the, the resolution for anxiety remains the same. Um, it's written by a lady called Dr. Claire Weeks. The book is called Hope and Help for Your Nerves. I don't know that one. That up. Um, okay, well, I just want to say, too, that if you go to Breakthrough REI Podcast slash Audible Free Trial, you should be able to find that right there and uh, or another book just like it. So go over to Breakthrough REI Podcast slash Audible Free Trial and check out a free book today. Again, Tim, thanks a lot for being here and sharing all of this stuff. So I know there's going to be a lot of people that want to get in touch with you. And you do have, like you've mentioned, a coaching program that goes along with, with what you've been speaking about tonight. So how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, if you go to theanxietypodcast.com, there's a contact form on there, timjpcollins.com same website basically if you want to friend me on facebook it's facebook.com forward slash tim jp collins it's the same handle on twitter instagram any of those places i'm pretty transparent about my life in terms of sharing kind of what's going on for me because i like connecting with people and it's my work and my life is kind of all one in the same these days so yeah if you have questions if you want advice if you want stuff you want me to address on the podcast or if you just want to ask me something privately and, and have a chat about it. My door is always open and uh, yeah, I'm here to help people. So reach out. Awesome. And I mean, definitely everyone's got to check out the free, totally free, right? Podcast. So why not? That's a great resource. I'm, I'm sure there's be plenty of uh, great info there for everyone to hear. And yeah, this has been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. And uh, you know, again, to Rob's point at the start, where he kind of said it's, you know, it's not about real estate, but we feel it's relevant. Like I, I think it's all, it's all very relevant because uh, it's real life, you know, it's what's going on for some people. And, and if it isn't you, it's probably somebody you know. And, and uh, that's why I think spreading the word is a mission that I've taken on and I'll continue to do. Right. And if anyone can get over a hump that they or, or a struggle that they've had in their life and move forward, then who knows what they could do with themselves. And I just want to say to everyone, whatever you do, do not YouTube Sandy McKay. <laughs> There's some funny videos there, is there? Just don't do it. Well, it'll probably give you anxiety if you look at Sandy McKay on YouTube. Will it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Well, on the, yeah. Now you'll know what he's been up to. This is one of those. This is one of those pink. This is one of those pink elephants thing. Eh? Don't do this. <laughs> wow. Now everyone's gonna do it. 
Hey, well, now you're going to have a spike, so. <laughs> All right, Tim, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again. No doubt. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate thanks, your time. Tim. Have Love a good it. night. Hey, bye. Bye.